Welcome to Homefront on Missouri Grassroots Radio. I'm Cynthia Davis, your host. As a writer, speaker, and former legislator, we discuss limiting government, fiscal responsibility, and fair taxation. I'm a mother of seven and a wife of one for over three decades, so I bring you my personal experience. And now it's time for Homefront with Cynthia Davis. What a happy moment. It's another edition of Homefront. I thank all of my good listeners for coming out tonight, sitting around our computers where we can study the topics and gain a greater insight into immigration. Tonight we have a very special guest. Genevieve Wood comes to us from the Heritage Foundation. If you have not been following this closely, don't worry. Heritage is on it. They are doing a lot of groundbreaking work, and they're studying the issue blow by blow as it makes its way through the Congress. It does say on your bio that you develop and execute strategies to promote the Heritage Foundation's policy solutions for advancing free market enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and a strong national defense. So those are all our favorite topics anyway, and we're excited. And what what makes you even more special is that it says you enjoy the challenges of helping everyday Americans understand how what happens in Washington and public policy affects them. And that is exactly what we're all about here, is boiling down some very complex issues. How many times have people turned on the TV and they catch little fragments of what's happening in Washington? Or worse than that, we'll get email that sounds like the sky is falling in and it's all bad. And most time, most of the time they don't actually give us enough information to know what they're doing. So can you tell us what is happening with the immigration project in Washington, D.C.? Well, Cynthia, first of all, thanks for having me on, and you're absolutely right. It's extremely hard to keep up with everything that happens uh, on one issue, much less all the issues. I mean, you know as a, as a, as a uh, public servant yourself that there's, you know, members of Congress and people at the state level are oftentimes focusing on, on a myriad of issues. Uh, but specifically with immigration, this is, this is a bill, uh, the current one that's being talked about in the Senate, many people call it the Gang of Eight, uh, that's made it through the Senate Judiciary Committee, but the full Senate has not had a debate or vote on it yet, though we're expecting that maybe in the next week or two. And this is a, a, what many people are calling comprehensive legislation. And we at the Heritage Foundation think it's the wrong way to go because immigration reform is a very important issue, but it's a very big issue. And trying to pile every aspect of it into one bill is not the right way to go about doing it. We ought to take individual pieces, whether it's border security first or temporary guest worker programs or uh, taking a look at our current immigration system and making sure that it's working better so there's over 4 million people that are currently standing in line trying to get into the country legally, uh, that process works better. Uh, And then what do you do with uh, the folks that are currently here? But those are specific issues that we ought to take on one at a time because they're big enough on their own. And as you well know, when you put everything into one bill, a lot of things sneak in. It 
quite often becomes a lot more expensive than people were expecting, and you don't really end up knowing what's in it until it passes, and we've all seen what happened with Obamacare. We have seen what happened with Obamacare, and it is frustrating to watch our country get all befuddled over something that ought to be simple. After all, when they made up the Constitution, it sounded simple enough that government is supposed to protect our borders. I mean, that's one of the few jobs that the national government is actually supposed to do. And so it is a surprise when you read about them making it so hard. What I think happened, especially in light of the November election, is you have people in Congress who are freaked out over what if I don't win my election now? And the specula- there was a lot of discussion over why did the Republicans lose seats in the House and what is going on. And, and the, a lot of the uh, analysts uh, presumed that we are seeing more of this harshness and we're not being nice to the illegal aliens and therefore it's going to cost you at the ballot box. The part that doesn't make any sense to me is if they're illegal aliens, they weren't supposed to be voting anyway. <laughs> so how That's a good do, point, point number one. <laughs> yeah, so how do you balance the question of what do we do with trying to be nice and sweet and loving and kind to all of these extra people here, and with the other message, which is maybe we need to deport them, and, you know, the hard line is maybe we should not let them live here since they're here illegal. Illegal. What do you, what do you say to that? Well, first of all, I think it, that anyone uh, who calls themselves a conservative uh, should talk about these things in a in a in a way that is uh, approachable and that shows that you do care about the issue and the people who are personally involved in it, which are a lot of people. And I think we should be very clear that conservatives, I think the majority of them, believe that immigration reform is necessary because we do have a big problem, and it's a, it's going to be a problem increasingly for yes more dollars, so American taxpayers, but also the people who have come here, who are already here, or who are trying to come here to pursue the American dream, when we are creating a system that is overburdened and can't provide the services uh, that we, uh, you know, that so many people come here to, to be a part of. So I think we need to talk about this in a way that people understand we do care about these folks that are already here, for example, and that's one reason we want to get this right. We don't want to make it worse. And if we don't secure our borders, the problem of amnesty is only going to increase. I mean, if we put, if we allow amnesty to go into effect, which is basically what the gang of eight bill would allow, it would grant amnesty to all those who are currently here illegally. Uh, the fact is that encourages more people to come and seek the same thing. And, you know, we've been down this road before. President Reagan did this in 1986, and at that time, there were about 3 million folks who were here uh, illegally that they granted amnesty to, said, but we're going to secure the borders, uh, we're never going to do this again, uh, and made a lot of promises, much of the very same promises and language you're hearing now from those who support the Gang of Eight bill. And like I said, we saw 1986 didn't work, because now here we are, however many 20-some-odd years later, and we've got 11 million we think. That's our best guess. It may be a few more, it may be a few less, but it's around 11 million people that we are know here are here illegally. And the fact is, Cynthia, these these folks have come here, many of them, uh, wanting to pursue the American dream. 
government programs, which is what is happening in many of these cases. They're dumping people into food stamp programs. They're getting them into more, and they aren't yet, but they will be when they're given legal status. We'll be able to sign up for a number of different government social uh, service programs and welfare programs. And when you start trapping those people into welfare, We've seen what that's done to other communities in our country, and we know what it can happen here. And that's not what we want. That's not good for them, uh, and it's not good for it's not good for the society as a whole. We want to create a place where people can seek opportunity, they can work hard and make it up the the, the, the ladder, so to speak, of economic mobility. But the current system we have isn't going to allow for that. Okay, and I love your perspective. But how did we get to this point? Why could we not have? established through Congress that if you come to this country, then you cannot apply for benefits for 10 years. Well, you could do things like that, but that, that hasn't been the road that, they, that they've gone down. And the fact is, uh, you know, there's a lot of costs that come into people when they come in, uh, Ill- well, legal and illegally for that matter. I mean, it puts a burden on the public schooling, the education system, uh, our roads, highways, uh, our health care services. I mean, if you go into an emergency room, you see some of this, some of this happening. So the fact is, we have to have control of our borders. If you don't have control of your borders, first and foremost, then it's very difficult to have real control of what goes on inside your borders. And so that's why this ought to be step number one. It's why that's the first piece we ought to tackle, because once we get those secure and we can really get a handle on who is truly here, how many folks really want to stay here, how many people would like to just kind of come back and forth and do temporary-type jobs, maybe they don't want to be citizens. Maybe they don't want legal status. Maybe they don't need legal status. But we can't get to any of those questions until we know who's here, until we have our borders secure. So going into the compassion mode of this, there are a lot of people who go, you know, feel like this would be anti-family if we made people go back because it might break apart some of the families, some of the people might, you know, within a family, you might have some who are here legally and others who are here, here illegally. So how do you address the anti-family question that might be a cloud over the bill? Sure. Well, I think as, as you know, conservatives, we don't believe that one size fits all. There's not a cookie-cutter approach to every single, to every issue. And I think that's one thing that when people look at this, you know, 11.5 million, uh, these are individuals. These are not all people with children and families. Many of them are, but many of them aren't. We don't, and we don't know exactly what those numbers are. So I think we have to really find out who, who folks are, what their status is, how long they've been here, do they have children here, really get that scenario before you could just grant, before granting this blanket amnesty to basically anybody who's come across the border illegally, I believe in the last year to two years is what the current legislation says. Uh, because I think they try to play on the heartstrings of pretending this is going to, that uh, folks who are opposed to the current bill being debated on the Hill are opposed to keeping families together. Nothing could be further from the truth. One thing we don't want to see is families come across here and get trapped into welfare programs, which can be extremely devastating for families, as you well know. And so I think that's one of those things where we can't get trapped into saying we're going to treat everybody the same or that all the 11 million are the same. They're individuals, and we need to look at them individually, but we can't do that until we until we secure the border and really know what we're dealing with. I remember when my son came home from public school with the form for him to fill out for the free breakfast and free lunch. And we didn't fill it out, but I certainly took the time to read it 
in detail. And mm-hmm. it clearly says on the form that your application is not, it does have, has nothing to do with your status in this country. And it wasn't even questioned, are you a U.S. citizen or are you here legally or illegally? I mean, I know what they're trying to do. They're imagining what if some of these illegal aliens' children come to school and then they don't have breakfast or lunch because their parents are so inept they don't know how to feed them and then they go hungry. We don't want that to happen. Yet that is exactly the policy position that we have to take if we're going to because you know what it's amazing watching how families actually do come together when government gets out of the way the question i think cynthia one of the things here is it's that people want to distract with those kinds of scenarios and what we're saying is Look, why are we why are we not first making sure the problem doesn't get worse? Of course we don't want children here in this country, however they got here to go hungry. But what we need to first address is that we're not allowing more folks to come in and being in that situation. And you've got to stop that and then we can start addressing these other case by case issues. But they want to kind of distract with those. Meantime, the border's not secure, uh, the numbers are changing, you know, on a constant basis of who's here, who's not. And that's that's not a Reform. That's building a welfare state, and that's a very different scenario. And the assumption is patently false. It begins with a big government premise that if we don't step in and feed these children that they're going to starve. Well, maybe some of the people from other countries know better how to feed their children than we do. And maybe that's not even a part of the issue, that it, it never was a question of will government feed them or will they not be fed i think american compassion is a beautiful thing and we have always stepped up the to the plate and helped neighbors when they don't know what to do but the bigger question will never be addressed if we just say well then i guess we're going to have to accommodate them if you had company come over to your house that you invited you would fix them a meal but if bad people showed up at your doorstep and demanded that you give them a meal and you don't even know who these people are, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to want to serve them anything out of your cupboard or refrigerator just because they don't they don't belong there and they weren't invited. Well, or maybe they weren't planned for. I mean, and I think that's what we have to realize here is that, yes, we are a very compassionate country, uh, so compassionate that we are trying to educate all the children who are here who are, who are here illegally. Uh, we're providing health care in many cases to folks who are here illegally. Uh, we're providing food stamps. I mean, you just gave an example and, 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 and similar type nutritional programs to people who are here illegally. And they aren't paying for these. And most of these folks are not paying taxes into the system. They certainly aren't paying taxes to the level of the dollars in services that they're taking, they're taking out. And, you know, we already do that for for the disadvantage in our country who are legal American citizens, people who need, you know, whether, whatever, you know, in some cases it's people who through no fault of their own are in a bad way and need additional help. We provide that as a country. But at a certain point, the bills come due. And if if we keep at it as we currently are and the rate that we're going, it's going to be that it's, we can't provide a good education for anybody. <laughs> we're not going to be able to provide good nutritional or retirement programs for those who are here, 
who were born in this country or who were here legally because we've allowed the system to become overburdened. And that's where we're headed if we allow this thing to go through. And people need to think about that. It's one thing to be compassionate, but it's another thing to turn a blind eye and you end up hurting the entire society uh, and, and the whole country uh, when you do that. Another, um, when I was in the Missouri House of Representatives, I used to give out the Glory of Missouri Awards every year. And these were students that exemplified the 14 virtues that we have in the marble walls of our chamber. And character does count. And our country was built on honor and integrity and decency. And the bigger question I want to see Washington, D.C. address is, what we're going to do to go forward if we don't have virtues any longer. If, you know, the old ex- uh, quote was, it's highly, it's in, it's wholly inappropriate for any others who don't employ self-government. And so when you're starting with a group of people who say, I don't care what their laws are, I want to defy them, well, you're beginning with a premise that we're bringing in people who don't give a rip about our country or our laws. They want our money, but there isn't that love there. And so a lot of people, conservatives especially, will even interchange the words liberty and freedom, not understanding that they're very different. Freedom is anarchy, and liberty means I can do wrong, but I choose not to because I'm restraining myself. I chose to be a person of integrity and do the right thing. And so if we populate our country with people who no longer care about right or wrong or maybe have never been taught right or wrong or never seen it modeled, then how can we bring our country back to this standard where we can all live peacefully and under the rules that we've established through our laws? discussions about character and virtues.
and I think that's that's a very a big missing piece from our national our national debate. Mm-hmm. Well, Homefront, the radio show, focuses on how to grow people bigger and government smaller, and how our Congress ever got to a point where it got so big that we feel like it's very hard to communicate, that there's not much connection, or they don't understand where we're at with with our heart, the heart and soul of our country. But the lack of assimilation seems to be the biggest threat, because what I found out from my own direct experience when I was in the Missouri legislature, I filed a bill that would require people to take the driver's license test in English. And actually, I found this out by accident. I was at the State Highway Patrol office helping my child get a driver's license, and one of the Highway Patrol people told me, did you know you can take your driver's license in up to 27 different languages? And at that point, I realized that that's not serving us well either. And my efforts to set a standard that they have to at least take the driver's license test in English was designed actually to help because that's not right to have all these different languages. How do you know if you were an illegal alien, you're in an accident, how do you even know if you don't speak enough English to take the test if they're not going to make up even worse things about you, and you would have no, because of the language barrier, you couldn't even defend yourself. Right. And and not only that, but we need, let me ask you, is there anything in this immigration bill that deals with how to assimilate people into our culture? Well, I mean, this is another huge part of it. Um, Cindy, the bill, as you probably know, is over 800 pages long, uh, and there's, a, there's bits and pieces of all sorts of things in there, but in terms of citizenship and assimilation and ensuring that that's a, a big component of this, I don't know what, how much of the bill specifically dedic- goes to that, but I can tell you it's not the core of it, and that's part of the problem, is if that's why, I mean, that, what you just spoke to, the issue of assimilation is a huge one, and ensuring that we're not, you know, everybody speaking different languages and, and not assimilating and becoming one America is something that we really have to be concerned about. So that's why we believe a step-by-step approach to addressing this issue is important. Otherwise, things like assimilation and citizenship values get tossed to the side and get lost in the larger mix. And if we don't have any standards at all whatsoever, then it's not serving us any longer. As a parent, I'll say if I tell my kids it doesn't matter if you make your bed in the morning or not, they won't make their beds. They don't do it unless somebody says, hey, (laughs) there's a point when you have to tell them you're going to make your bed. You're going to take a bath. You might think, well, wait a minute, shouldn't they self-direct when they need to take baths? No. <laughs> they need sometimes somebody to define the standard. Well, and, and, and again, I think we have to be very, you know, that assimilation is not, you know, it, it's becoming a part of the community, and it, it's not about well, how many folks can we now get into our food stamp programs, into our welfare programs. And one of our big fears is that is how many of these folks are currently assimilating, uh, and that's not going to be good in the long term for them or for their families and certainly not for the American taxpayer. Well, about this immigration bill, you said that the Senate has already passed it, but the House is still out figuring out if they want to pass it or not. Well, the, the, Senate, had, the Senate Judiciary Committee has passed it. 
it now out of committee, but the full the, the full Senate body has not taken a vote, uh, and so there will be a debate period on that, and, and then potentially a vote uh, in the next two to three weeks. We'll see. Well, as an outside observer of Washington, it looks a little mysterious why the House would do anything that the Senate does because they don't. The House is Republican, the Senate is Democrat, so. Why would there need to be any meeting of the minds between two groups that are philosophically divided? Well, I think that what we would like to see is that, that whether it be the Senate or the House, is that somebody would come forward with the correct approach to immigration reform. We need immigration reform. No one is here to just saying, let's do nothing. We're saying, let's do it the right way, and that there's a better way than the way the Gang of Eight and the Senate has approached it. So I think you know, to see some alternative proposals come forward that really tackle the issues in the, in the order they ought to be tackled, and that eventually then help us overhaul the full system uh, would be the right way to go. And we're encouraging folks in the House to think that way. There's some good folks over there who would like to. But as I can tell you, and you know this as a, as a former elected official yourself, it, it matters what people are hearing from their constituents. And so I would just encourage the listeners of your program to make sure that their senator, uh, their House member, has heard from them about this particular legislation and knows that they think this is so important that we get it right, that we take each piece one at a time and not try to do a comprehensive bill. And what is the website people should go to if they want to do some more research? Absolutely. If you go to heritage.org, that's heritage.org, you'll see a lot of different issues positioned there, but immigration reform is one of the ones we've we've been featuring uh, regularly on the homepage, and you can find all sorts of information uh, about the bill itself, about the cost involved with amnesty, and with a lot of things that are hidden in it that I think many uh, folks in your audience would be very surprised to hear about. Well, I appreciate that. I know it's hard in the space of a half hour to divulge everything and even a simple bill, but you've been a blessing, and I can't thank you enough for being on our show tonight. This has been great, and is there any last summary parting statement you want to tell our listeners? I would just say to tell them to please you know, know that, that if you want to be involved on the issues and you want to know what's going on, I would encourage them to, to visit heritage.org, whether it's immigration or other issues. We try to put it in a way that people can understand how it will impact them, people they care about, and that's information they can share with neighbors and family and friends. Thank you, Genevieve. It has been a great opportunity. You have a good afternoon, and we'll talk to you next time on Home Sounds Front. great. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been another edition of Homefront on Missouri Grassroots Radio. I'm Cynthia Davis and hope you enjoyed our program. Please join us next week when we offer another infusion of truth, honesty, and solutions that will grow people bigger and shrink government smaller. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. It's the home.